It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design with Jason Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 2nd, and you're listening to episode 479. As always, I'm your host, Jason, here today, joined by my good pal and co-designer, Mr. Kelly Hoagland. Hey, Kelly. Hi, Jason. Good to have you back. Thank you. It's it's funny. I was looking back in the in the the records, the annals of BTG, as they would say, uh, and I realized that last episode we had Aaron Wilson on, and now we have you. And the last time Aaron Wilson was on was the episode before the last one you were on, which <laughs> so, is funny. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't plan that, but it just worked out that way, and that made me chuckle. No one else will notice, which is why I brought it up. So now everybody has to know, just like I do. I'm sure it would have gone on on somebody's cork board somewhere. Get some yarn around it and whatnot. I, you know, like if I had to like have a goal in life, which I guess we all probably should, right? I think the idea that somebody might create a cork board around the things I'm doing, um, trying to figure out some big conspiracy, that seems like a big goal. Like I would be okay with that. All right. Know? Okay. Yeah. I could start dropping some cryptic comments and various uh, <laughs> subreddits see what happens <laughs> oh that's a plan let's do that yeah. of course then they're going to listen to the show and know that this was the plan nobody listens. <laughs> but that's that's the the cleverness of the uh, conspiracy we say there's it a conspiracy is. so nobody would actually believe there's a conspiracy yes 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 mm-hmm. do you hear that mom there's no conspiracy okay <laughs> she doesn't even listen it's okay but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, hey, what have you been? Uh, what have you been up to lately? I'll pretend that I don't know. What have you been up to lately, Kelly? Tell, uh, tell well, me about it. Currently in the middle of a run for the community theater of the show I'm in. So that's uh, Full Monty. That's fun. I get to keep my clothes on, so I'm very happy about that. Uh, but <laughs> show that's quite a lot of fun. And then uh, some co-design work uh, with you, and once making notes on what games I want to work on once the show is over and I have my evenings back. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's good to have the plans ahead of time, right? To say, okay, yeah. when I have time, this is what I want to dive into. I think that's I think that's smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm also happy for you that you get to keep your clothes on because you seem to be more Thank comfortable you. that way, and that's great. Much clothes much as nice. I would be. But uh, good for those nice. people like who them. are who are ready to to full Monty it up. Yeah, but then there's still things like I play five parts in the thing, just little bits here and there, plus. Uh, I get to play the accountant's new boyfriend to the uh, the ex-wife, so that's fun. Plus, so you play five parts, and none of them have you have you stripping. Well, there are only seven parts in which people take off their clothes, and it's yeah, but you a cast have five of parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you have fi- oh, cast of seventeen. I thought you meant seventeen yeah. roles, and I was like, you have no. five of them. That's almost a third, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot of talk about uh, the full Monty there. Yeah. yeah that's, that's <laughs> so, considerable amount of uh, game design potential talk focused on stripping. All right. Um, I'm sure there is a board game to be made around that. Oh, I'm um, sure. I feel like there's definitely been an RPG made around that or a LARP even. 
Um, I don't know of any off the top of my head, but board games, I don't, I feel like that may be undiscovered territory, yeah. which surprises might be, me. Might be something to, to work on. Maybe a future pitch. I just have to make sure, <laughs> have to edit that one closely to keep that explicit flag off your, uh, your bang. Yes. Keep it rated yes, the yes. PG. It'd be great. We've, we've, we've become a little more lax with that. I'm sure some people have noticed, uh, mm. I've become a lot less bleepy about things, uh, mostly just bleeping uh f-bombs and things like that i've been trying to just you know i mean i'm not as worried about it uh so yeah so that's and and i haven't had any complaints so that's that's a thing so yeah good good. for us um all right well hey so the reason i had you on today other than the fact that i enjoy talking to you but i can pretty much do that anytime and usually at least once to two one to two times per week um but last time you were on we did an episode where we did a deep dive into a game design we were working on and um and by doing that um we we got some positive feedback the people really enjoyed it it was also really helpful for us because we were able to work through some different things in the in the episode around the game and mm-hmm. uh it was a lot of fun so i said hey Work on another game. It also has kind of an interesting story of how it got there, which is actually somewhat related to the last game we talked about. Yeah. Um, because there's been some evolution in that. So um, yeah, so we thought we would we thought we would do that. Um so how do we, how should we start out here? Should we should we pitch the game? Should we tell the story of how we got to the game, then pitch I, the game? I think we should tell the story of how we got to the game because it kind of plays into the mechanics. And I'm sure if we pause right now, um, you can come back later in with an edited highlight reel from the last show. Yeah, yeah. To, yep. to go over everything. That highlight reel begins now, and it ends now. Great. Okay, yeah, that was super quick. Quick highlight right. reel. Blink and you miss it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely there. I definitely spent a lot of time uh, uh, editing that. Let's uh let's talk about how we got there. So this you know we started out with Minecart Madness, and in the process of working on that, we showed it to a publisher. Publisher came back and said this game is interesting, um, but we 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 have another idea for a theme, and that theme revolved around space. So we we turned it into a space game, a traveling through space game. So took away you know all the cardiness of it and made it more spacey. Um, and it's a it's a game they ended up not going along with, um, but. There were some mechanics. It was another path-building style game. Um, but there was one mechanic um, that we wanted to use in the game, but then we felt like it wasn't going to... And I'll, I particularly felt like that mechanic wasn't going to work as well as we hoped in the space game. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain what that mechanic was? Uh, yeah, so with the path-building, we wanted to add the hypership routes for the space game. So have, you know, your FTL paths that you can set up. Uh, and the idea was to have those stay on the board and then all the players build off of them as most uh, path building games do work. But the issue was with it being a pickup delivery game, we wanted to have a press your luck mechanic be the end of movements, not like a roll a dice or choose how much you're going to move. Just move until you're worried you're going to end up losing everything. But mm-hmm. With the paths staying on the board, it got it left the potential for really broken paths where you could have almost infinite turns because if the things right, didn't right. fall out right. Uh, so we decided to, instead of having the paths stay there, have them remove after every person, so doing that. Um, but between deciding to remove the paths after every person and having the paths stay there, we were going to wipe the paths at the end of the round. So have the paths be rebuilt anew every time the... Uh, mm-hmm. the 
turn, turn order started over. Basically, um, and, everyone got to use them for the round, and then they were gone. So yeah. it was like, if you were mapping hyperspace, I would be mapping it for myself, but that would also be helpful for you because mm -hmm. I put the map out there. Yep. And... Uh, yeah, so, but we decided not to use that, and that got me, I really liked the idea of having the paths that go away every round, and how that could um, allow for using a smaller board and giving you some more creativity in how that's going to work, and interactivity between the players. And so that evolved into uh, the next game, the game we're going to be pitching here in a few minutes, because the first thought in my mind was the um, monsters chasing someone around a haunted area uh then we settled on woods mm -hmm. but uh you know going around a corner you turn around the path is not there anymore the path is someplace else uh so from there yeah yeah and that idea seemed to lend itself really well to the idea of like a foggy woods where yeah you think you know where you're going uh the thing that popped into my head when we started talking about that was for anyone who's played it breath of the wild um, there's a there's a, a portion of Breath of the Wild uh, where you uh, on the switch, where if you are walking through this uh, the Lost Woods, I think you have to like go through these different turns and stuff, and it's really creepy. And if you don't follow the path correctly, and the path is kind of hard to see, then uh, you get like caught in the fog, and it pushes you back to the beginning. And so we we liked that vibe of you know feeling like I've got this path, I can do this thing but I might get hosed. Um, and we also, one thing we did, I think, realize from the previous game was the previous game was a competitive game. And we felt like in a, uh, in a world where we were dealing with the paths that everyone can use, the easiest way to do that was to make it a co-op game so that while we all have our own independent paths that we make and ideas that we have, in the end, we're working together to try to um, try to win the game, um, so it it curbs the idea of infinite turns and stuff, right? And being able to uh, to yeah, just be being last player isn't you know the most powerful thing in the world like it was in the <laughs> other game. Yeah, uh, which was very nice uh, to that, and I liked the co-op game aspect of it. I liked because that also opened it up to doing asymmetric, um, where you've got one person or group of people going against the one person who's playing the monster, the four mm -hmm. spears, yep. like and I haven't gotten to design an asymmetric game like that before. So this has been a fun experiment in that. Yeah. And in, in the, the kind of the one versus many, you know, thing that we're doing here, or, you know, it, it can be one V one, one V two, but it's, it's the idea of one versus many, right? You have yeah. one person playing the antagonist and everyone else trying to win. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that's not something I've done a lot with either. So it was really, it was a really interesting thing to explore. Um, and it also really lent itself to us doing lots of play tests <laughs> with yeah. just the two of us um, with, with really no difference than of having more players than just the two of us uh, with the exception of, I think the game obviously was a little quicker when it's just two of us, mm -hmm. uh, which occurs to me now, it's not something we've discussed actually that we might want to think about timing wise is that those games would go longer if it wasn't for you and I um, just going back and forth, you know? So, yeah. yeah, I think that's the interesting thing about this though, because um, with the way we've set this up, uh, you're going to have the same number of actions per round. If you've got mm -hmm. multiple players as you have two players, 
So that action economy is not going to expand with number of players like you would with most games. Because uh, no matter Correct. what, no matter what, it's four villagers going into the forest. Uh, what's going to change it is added time for discussion and added mm -hmm. time for deciding who's taking what tools and that sort of thing and planning. Right. Uh, the conversation economy. <laughs> yes, the conversation economy, which in co-op games can be ridiculous. Uh, right, right. I, I think we've done some stuff that makes it not as big of a deal in this. Mm -hmm. um, but, but hey, we should probably pitch the game so that people yeah. aren't just like, what are they talking about? And then yeah. when we pitch the game and then they're still like, what are they talking about? At least we pitch the game, right? So Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's fair. And then we can go back and talk about the, uh, the process for <laughs> decision making and whatnot for why we made the game the way that we made the game. Sounds good. Do you want to, uh, do you want to do the pitch? Sure. Sure. I'll I can just interject if, uh, if you forget something, probably I won't remember if you forgot it, but I'll, I'll do my best. So the name of the game currently, the working title, is Foggy Woods. You play as either a forest spirit who's been corrupted by the damage to the forest and is trying to overwhelm the village and return everything to natural beauty, or the villagers who are trying to slow that destruction and save the village and the people therein. So as the villagers, what you're trying to do is sort through explore the forest and try to find things that have not yet been tainted. So untainted soil, pure water or pristine water and pure wood so that you can create a small pure environment that you could coax the spirit into and then get it out of there, appease the spirit by giving it someplace pure to live. And so the, that's the overall theme. The way the mechanics work is uh, there is a grid. It starts off, I think we just decided probably a six by five, uh, six by five, that's the forest. On an each square of the forest, there are resources, and those could be things that are used to build tools. They could be the uh, things you need to build the pristine trap, the pristine home for the forest spirit to inhabit, or they could just be nothing. You could find nothing there. So the villagers uh, have path tiles, and will play the path tiles into the forest to get those, interact with those resources and go around. However, the forest is continually growing. So every time they pass over a path, uh, it flips. And once it's flipped twice, it is discarded. So the paths are going away as they're walking on them. And they also wipe at the end of the round uh, because they go to sleep for the night. Now, the complications there come in with what the forest spirit can do. Because the forest spirit uh, can either, can manipulate one card in each column every round uh, and those, they get traps that they can play. They, the traps can be things like overgrowth that removes the tile the person just left or the villager just left. It could be a monster that's going to attack the next villager that leaves the forest or tries to leave the forest. Um, those sorts of things. Uh, the other thing the forest can do other than placing traps in the forest is in between each villager's time, set up fog banks. And those fog banks are going to do more obnoxious things like force the villager to drop tiles <laughs> or drop resources they've collected, force the villager to rotate a tile they left because they got turned around. Um, things that are not super punishing. So the traps are pretty punishing um, and the fogs are much less so just meant to be it's visible on the board and for the villagers, the player to know that there's a potential hazard there that could be very obnoxious to deal with. And in our play test, Jason has uh, primarily tried to avoid those no matter what they are, um, uh, since he doesn't know what they are. Yeah. Right, right. There's, you know, and that's, it is, it's, uh, it's a lot of fear around stuff that usually ends up not being awful. Um, but there are a couple fog 
fog tiles that are awful or fog cards that are awful. Yeah. Um, and so as the player, you never quite know which one it is until you until you get to it, obviously, right? But it, it can be something as simple as you lose something you could care less about or your person dies, um, which you should mention. We should mention the death, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. I guess fog cards can't fog cards do not kill you. They just completely stop your uh, yeah. Um, the worst, of, or, yeah, yeah. The worst thing a fog card does is block a path. Uh, but there's only two of those in the entire deck of fog cards. It's not too bad. But if if a player dies in the forest, whether it's um, in the forest somewhere or at, upon exit of the forest, some things will say when you leave the forest you die, which means you're considered to have died on the edge of the forest. The the square that was occupied is now we we've just been filling in with like a black circle but there would be like a token or something or maybe you just lay the dead villager there um but uh you put it there and then that tile that sorry that um that square is completely blocked off for the rest of the game mm -hmm. um and so you have to be very careful about how you uh how you risk that the risk yeah. of the death or if you choose like sometimes i would just choose to let people die because i couldn't I, it was too hard to get back to them um which sounds awful when i say that out loud um but, <laughs> but it could be very punishing later in the game and it could you know because it basically blocks the path which can funnel me towards your traps if you choose mm -hmm. to do so that way yeah and with him mentioning choosing to leave people in the forest uh like last game the majority of villagers that died uh, when we were playtesting died because the paths ended up getting blocked in such a way or twisted in such a way that they couldn't get out in time and Jason couldn't get another villager to them to save them. So if they were at, in the forest at the end of the day, they died. The, the night took them. Mm -hmm. And we have an interesting mechanic where you can it's free movement. You can move as far as you want with your villager. Um, you only have a certain number of tiles to place, which is four, uh, but you can move as far as you want with your villager. But um, when you cro whenever you go on a tile, the second time it flips over as if it's growing back. The third time someone traverses it, it's gone. Um, but one of the interesting mechanics we have is that if you um, if I leave a villager, or Kelly, say he was on my team, he leaves a villager in the woods. Once my villager gets to that villager, we are now traveling as a group and I can move for them. I have all their resources. Um, the issue with that is there are some cards that specifically, some traps that specifically will kill villagers if they're traveling in a group <laughs> um, <laughs> to limit the scope and the power on that. Sorry, I interjected and stuff, but I, I thought that was interesting information to point out. Well, no, it was very important information to point out. You didn't quite interject. You were adding, the, uh, adding an important note that you found interesting, and I think is interesting too. Uh, as I also like this game that we have designed together. <laughs> but, so where did you leave off there then? I think we've uh, covered everything except how to actually end the game. So to end the game, once you have all of the pristine things, you have to make it to the back center tile on the board. Um, oh, I've realized another thing we forgot, which I'll mention in a moment. Uh, you have to make it to the back center th tile on the board to collect the spirit and coax it into the ideal home and then take that out of the forest so that the forest calms down. Um, so you've got to make, collect all the items, then get to the back and then get out. However, the difficulty does ramp up over time. One, every round, another row, because the village is four by five. And so every round, 
another row of the village gets eaten up by the forest. And so you begin losing the ability to um, make tools. There's less room for villagers to live, so villagers will leave the village if their house gets destroyed by the forest. So that difficulty ramps up that way. And then as the player finds, um, as the villagers find the special items, they're removing purity from the forest. So the forest spirit gets more powerful and draws more fog cards every round as well. Um, so that adds to the difficulty of getting it out once they actually get everything out. And that, that certainly was, that was something we just tested in the last game was amping up the fog cards. Um, and we purposely added a bunch more of them that were not awful. They were just mm -hmm. annoying uh, as, mm -hmm. as being the, you know, being the villager, they were annoying and they would mostly harm you by making it so that you couldn't just take the path you had to get out um, and forced you to spend some extra tiles really to work around those. Um, so, so that was, you know, uh, that was really fun that way. I like that. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, did you mention that the, the board does the side wrap? As well? Oh yeah, no, I didn't. I did not. That so, is a very important part. Cause that really plays into the foggy woods sort of thing where you can feel like you're right. walking in circles. Uh, so the board wraps from top to bottom. Um, so if you go out the bottom of the board, you'll come in at the top of the row with the same thing. Basically, if you leave the left side of the forest, you'll enter back on the right side and vice versa. Think of like old school, like Joust or other video games where you, they just screen wrap around. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something we stumbled on to create a little more freedom of movement and to allow the villagers to keep the forest spirit guessing a little bit more. Because when I give myself those options of, you know, there are, there are four primary shapes of tiles. There is a, a T or like a, a plus sign, I guess, a yeah. cross plus sign. Um, so you, you can enter and exit on all four sides. Um, there is an L, which are the worst. Um, we used to have more of those because we thought it'd be fun to have them be punishing. And they were so bad, we had to reduce some. Uh, there is a straight line, uh, which comes on one side, goes out the other. Uh, and then there is a um, the T-shape, where it comes in on one side and then goes out on two others. Um, and that seems like a really good mix of tiles to where, again, you get a lot of options. Uh, but also, it really can be frustrating that you don't have enough options. Mm -hmm. um, and then those fog cards that are placed are placed just on one portion of the tile. They don't cover the whole tile. So if I have a plus sign tile, for instance, um, you're going to cover one exit with it. The other two will remain completely open. So if, if you covered the back exit and I walked in and then took a hard left, I won't run into that fog tile. Um, and again, that is another nice way for the forest spirit to herd you towards the traps. Um, so sometimes, you know, Kelly would put down a fog tile that was completely benign. Uh, and I would then find myself running into a deadly trap trying to avoid the fog tile. And um, yeah, and that so that was that was really interesting. Uh, and when, you know, Kelly, you had mentioned when the forest spirit at the beginning looks at cards in every single column, mm -hmm. you do that. I know what cards you're looking at. I don't see if you replace them or not, because the traps uh, and the resources and then the pristine items all look the same. They all have the same card back. So when you place it back, I know you've done something with it, but if you've revealed something pristine, you had to put that back right where you found it. So yeah. I could be avoiding it because I think it's a trap when in reality, it's a pristine thing um, that I need to win the game. Uh, so that is, um, that's really interesting um, to me as a player. There's a lot of, lot of trying to 
second guess yourself when you're making choices. Um, and then also there's a little bit of a memory aspect in the fact that you want to remember what you've explored because, you know, there's 30, there's 30 cards out out of how many cards are there total for the resources? Uh, there's 50. There's 50 total. So 30 of them, three fifths are out on the board right away. Um, so if you explore areas and, and currently the pristine items, the three of them are, um, are placed randomly. So likely um they you know they may be out with the first section they may not um but you don't know for sure um so but remembering where you have explored is important uh to do mm -hmm. so i think i think that's a pretty good description and kind of summation of what the game is um is there anything else you think we need to add in there no i think we've talked about all the major rules um okay so, so beyond that, then we, we want to spend some time really diving into the game, like the, the design points and kind of where we're at right now and some of the struggles that I think we're having. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, like let's, let's talk, what, what right now are your biggest here, you know, let's start with this. I like to start with positive, you know me. What right now do you think the best the best parts of the game are like what really jumps out to you is where the game really shines the most. I think, uh, I really like the, um, limit on uses for the paths because mm -hmm. you have to plan a lot for making these ideal paths, but then there's also, that's what will encourage. It adds incentive for leaving villagers out in the forest. So it really adds a lot of not just, how many times I'm going to use this to go out because if a villager uses it and then leaves through it, it's only got one more use before it disappears. So that's what uh, Jason might, or the villager might stay out in the woods to wait mm -hmm. for someone to come and then leave as a group to make sure they're not using the tiles as much. And that rescue may never come. Yes. <laughs> you can fully have intentions to save someone and then never make it there because of stuff. Yes. Which happens. <laughs> yeah, more than once. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think that actually touches on. I think that's the main thing. I think that adds the most to the, uh, the game uh, that I like. Adds a lot of the be better decision points and adds a lot of the manipulation uh, for the Forest Spirit as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that that is probably my favorite point. The path moving is one of my favorite points. The um, I like this system, and I did not like this at first. But I, I and, and you know that. But I liked this. I like this system, where I don't get something out of the woods as a as the the items you grab in the woods stay with the villager who took them until they either exit the woods and therefore drop off the stuff, um, which they can do in the middle of their turn. Let's say that I I built uh one I built two paths in and I have four paths to build. I build two paths in and I get a pristine water and I'm like, Oh, I got to get out of here. So I take the water and I exit thereby flipping the first tile because I've now crossed it twice. So that's going to go away soon. Um, I can then drop off anything I've gathered and then start building back into the woods. Um, but your penalty on that is of course that you're now losing the use of those tiles. And sometimes it's not a penalty uh, having to flip them. But other times it can be because it makes it more likely to strand people. So I like, you know, we'll have since it's just him and I playing, we'll, we'll have the, uh, you know, like a villager. I'll 
grab everything they've collected, all the the items they've collected, in assuming they're not one of the three the three most important items. If it's like you know just resources, you just set them with that that person and hope someone comes to rescue them. Otherwise, you lose it. Um, and so I, I I really dig that. Um, I really dig the idea of like I'm lost. I'm just gonna wait and and hope that someone rescues me. Uh, it feels very realistic for what we're trying to do. <laughs> um, the other thing I really like are there are some traps that are not punishing that just do some weird things. Um, like one of my, I think my favorite trap is this thing called muddy shoot, which is where basically think of it as you stepped over a ledge onto like a mudslide type area that you didn't see. Uh, and instead of placing the tile you were about to place the path tile where you are, you're now placing it diagonal to where you just were. Um, and it's really, really interesting to me because it basically it gets you farther, right? It's like a free tile unless you want to leave, in which case now it's <laughs> going to be harder to get back. Um, so so I, I like I like that there's a lot of things that are both a benefit, a blessing and a curse. And, and that to me really stands out as as fun and, and is a strong point for the game. Yeah. Yeah, and that was done. Uh, thank you. That was done pretty intentionally with the traps because we wanted to, mm -hmm. we have three different types of traps and try to keep them thematic because they're monsters and those are the ones they'll usually end up killing or hunting down or preventing right. actions. We've got overgrowth, which does stuff that either removes tiles or alters tiles in some way they're already there, and then there's the pitfalls, which affect player movement and player tile placement. So that's what yep uh, the mighty shoot and fall into the pitfall category. And then we have tools that you can make with the resources you find that help ignore specific traps for a single use. Um, and each tool ignores, e each tool either allows you to ignore two different kinds of the three traps or one kind and lets you do something else. Um, the one, the other stuff you get to do uh, right now, it's just two different things. We have the, oh, three things. Um, one allows you to avoid a certain type of trap and negate a fog card. Um, before you look at it though. So you have to negate the card. Um, so it's, it's still a risk, right? You can end up negating a fog card that doesn't matter. And then walking into the fog card that will stop you. Um, another one allows you to draw an extra tile or deal with one specific type of trap. Uh, and then finally, the last one, uh, the looking glass allows you to flip a resource on an adjacent tile or an adjacent square to see what it is or deal with one type of trap. And, um, and as Kelly said, the traps get more, especially the basic, not the traps, the basic tools get limited throughout the game because as the forest overgrows, you lose the place where you would make them um, in the village, uh, which is a really, really fun thing because it, it, um, it forces you to think about how you are, how you're making things and whether or not you want to make certain things early in the game so that you can have extra of them later in the game. Um, and so I, I like the push and pull of that. Yeah, I like that too. That's another place, depending on where we fall on how it feels, fiddliness and analysis paralysis, that's another uh, opportunity for um, decision point for the players is which order Agreed. they're going to put those items at the beginning of the game. However, if there be, if there's clearly an optimal order, we'll just you can just set it that way because they're going to play it the same way every time as well. Um, right, right. So now let's talk about what we see as kind of the biggest 
roadblock right now in getting the game to where it needs to be to be ready to do some more more playtesting with others in larger groups and you know then eventually getting it ready to pitch um and i made you go first on the other one i can go first on this or you can go Please first do. Up to after you, you. so okay. i guess sure kindly with my hand um, right right thank you uh so to me the biggest thing uh that i feel like is is a roadblock and this is this is funny because I think it's what I also said was the best thing, right? And it's the movement. Um, and so the reason I would say the roadblock, is, the movement can be a roadblock, no pun intended, is is because um, the fiddliness of the movement, right? So we've run into a lot of scenarios where, like, for instance, there was a tile where Kelly in the last game was, I was really, really excited about my last character. I'm like, we're going to, I'm going to win. And Kelly's like, I don't know why you're so optimistic. Like, did you forget this tile got turned? And I was like, oh, I did. So I'm hosed. I can't win. And then I looked at the tiles I had and said, yes, I can. So what I did was, and I, I, I know this is me trying to describe something you've never seen, but basically I walked into the forest, walked over the offending tile, which flipped it, then placed a tile beyond it. Then I exited the forest, walking back over said offending tile, which cleared the tile. Then I guess you guessed it, walked back into the forest, put a better tile there, went to the end, placed my final tile to get to the um, to get to the uh, forest spirit. Now, that said, it would have been less easy this in the new version, because in the new version, you actually have to get to the forest spirit in a specific spot before it was run off the edge of the board at the back end of the forest. That's where the forest spirit was. Now you have to go to a specific spot and exit to take the forest spirit out of the woods. Um, and uh, and we're still dealing a little bit with how exactly that's going to work. But suffice it to say, I would have lost. But the fact that like I was not technically breaking any rules by just exiting the forest and coming back in, I essentially sacrificed two tiles to win the game in a way that as the player, and Kelly, I don't know how you felt, but as the villager, yeah. I felt like I was cheating but I wasn't breaking the rules um, and that lack of clarity there was concerning to me as in like, Hey, this could be, uh, this could be problematic. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Not just because of the take advantage of it. If you can legit take advantage of it. Great. But the lack of clarity around was what I did. Okay. Or was I cheating? Uh, that fiddliness there, I think was a little concerning. So, well, I think, yeah, I think, um, to me, those moments where, as long as you've got in the rulebook uh, something about the, if there's no rule explicitly stating it or whatever, not necessarily the rule of cool or whatever, like I can, you have to have something like that. Otherwise, that fiddliness is where people are going to argue, like you can't do that. The rulebook doesn't say that. Uh, you can do anything. Right, right. Yeah, there's definitely that point there. But that, that feeling of, I feel like I'm cheating, but I am not. Uh, is actually a really great feeling for um, a player, in my opinion. I agree. I think I think part of the reason I was hesitant because I'm a player, but I was the designer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and both of us, when I said I'm going to do this, was like we're like, oh, I don't see why you can't do that, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's really trying to nail down to say how exactly does movement work? Yeah. And, you know, like, what does exiting the forest mean? Um, yeah. That well, sort of thing, you know? 
that's where it felt like I was cheating in a way where it didn't feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was like, I was like saying F you to the system rather than being like, ah, I'm so sneaky. I'm clever. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. No, that is uh that's a good point. There's a difference between finding the clever loophole and just uh, a broken design. Right. And so I guess what I'm saying yeah. is I don't know which one of those that move was right. Like that yeah. fiddliness in it's because we have the general fiddliness, I think around how movement works. Um, so for my money, I feel like we probably, that's the next thing you and I need to really sit down and focus on is how do we clarify the rules around movement and what that means. And so that when, so that I don't have to say, can I do this? And we have to go, well, probably that we can just say, no, clearly you can't mm-hmm. do that. Or yes, of course you can do that. Yeah. Now getting those down clarified is very important and codified and all that. Oh yeah. 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 So for you, for you then, uh, we kind of stated what we're going to do with that for you. What do you feel like the, the biggest roadblocker issue is with the game right now? Um, for me, I think finding the right balance of, um, like agency for the, uh, or refining the right balance for that asymmetry. Cause right now, um, as the forest spirit, it's like, aha, I've set my traps and you sit and wait and see what happens. And you get to deploy the fog cards, but they're relatively easy to avoid if you want to, or well, not relatively easy, but they, they can be avoided, which is fun to try to herd you in different ways and that sort of thing. Um, but like the, I think the villagers have won every time we've played and we've added a little bit more difficulty every time. Every single time. Yes. This was the closest we've come to the villagers not winning. And if you hadn't been able to get out and the people would have died, it would have been primarily difficult because the deaths had closed off all but one lane. Yeah, they had, yeah. Um, Which literally means you would have just, you could have messed with every card in that, in that way in for sure. Yeah. In that way in. Yeah. So there's, there are definitely some places to be concerned. um, That's, I think that's a good point. the, The balance there. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that, that affects that too, that this is something that we've tried to solve for, but I don't feel like we've really agreed on what to do, but I also feel like it's because there, we haven't found a way that is really good and intuitive and easy. And that is, so with the three, um, with the three, um, pristine things that you need to get out of the, out of the, um, woods, one of the issues we run into is, in some games, I find them all in two turns. In other games, I'm searching forever. Now, mm-hmm. the searching forever thing is not the biggest issue in the world. Um, my bigger fear is, um, you know, my biggest fear is finding them all right away. And then now the game is super easy. And, you know, we've talked about different ways to try to solve for that. Um and and really struggled with that um so i i have an idea that just popped in my head as i was talking so let's just live on the show let's debate this how's that sound all right okay you're wrong i very well may be it happens more than i'm right probably uh so so right now we have 50 cards in the deck 
we have 30 mm -hmm. spaces. Yeah. So, but so what three happened... of those cards start in the, the uh, four spirits hand though. The four spirits starts with three of the nothing cards in their hands. So you really have 47 right. and 30 spaces just to, to keep the math right. Okay. Right. So, so there is out of 47 cards, 30 will come out. So there is 17 cards mm -hmm. that could not have come out that will not have come out on turn one of those cards. It's very possible. I mean, it's, statistically not very possible but it is possible that all three of the pristine things are not out there right mm -hmm. um so far that seems to have never happened um and so we've talked about do we shuffle them into a certain point in the deck do we give them to you and let you play them out as the forest spirit but i have a different idea that i want to go with so we have a few different types of resources um i think four types of resources is there are there mm-hmm uh, uh yeah or sap fiber and wood fiber and wood so four plus nothing is your fifth type and then the three cards that are the three pristine cards right mm -hmm. so what if and this is a crazy idea but what if we reduced the number of cards to 30 so that at the beginning every single one of those cards came out on the board okay okay um, now after that, um, we do have extra ones of those cards. They go to the forest spirit and they're all nothings. So, so the forest spirit always has the ability to remove a non pristine item and replace it with nothing. Mm -hmm. So best case scenario if a four spirit looks at a card and it's an ore or any of the other regular resources the four spirit immediately is able to either put a trap there or just put nothing there right um so i think thematically that makes sense tell me why that doesn't work because i'm sure there's something that i'm overlooking as to why that's a bad idea uh you said we'd have extras of the cards we'd have to have extras of the cards because we need 45 maximum of the resource cards assuming uh, nobody dies in the right. forest because the forest expands uh, every time i'm a little less worried about having all the the pristine cards out at the beginning mm -hmm. um because on round two all but one card should have been revealed or should be on the board so now you're down to a two percent chance that one of the pristine items isn't out on round two but it will be out on round three because so, with four villagers exploring four tiles, that's 16 tiles that are going to get flipped. And the, actually, no, all of the tiles are going to be out round two, no matter yeah. what, because the board expands right. to 35 if you're flipping 65. So no matter what, the pristine tiles are out on round two, which mm -hmm. it can be fiddly. It might be worth just making sure they're shuffled into the top 30 cards um, and out with the first thing. Uh, just that. Um, otherwise, if we want to make sure they're not all out we could add one to the uh shuffle one to the last 15 cards so that it goes out at the uh the second round mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what about here's another crazy idea so i i agree with you on that that is that's a fair point what if we let the forest spirit place them out on turn one like like everyone looks away the forest spirit places them out on turn one wherever they want to in the forest Okay. Um, so, Stratego. It, yeah. yeah. So, the reason I... Because then they're guaranteed to be out, but it's mm -hmm. not random. So, if you end up with three in the first row, it's because the Force Spirit is given up. 
um, and just wants to lose. Um, but the, if the forest spirit does something like puts them all around its its you know habitat, well then it becomes very obvious. Like you know what I mean? Like it, it becomes battleship basically, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to place things in a way that will help you not know where they are, and then because it so it adds another layer of mess with your mind because the forest spirit every turn gets to flip a card in every column and put something there. I now am keenly aware of where you're looking, mm-hmm. where you're putting cards, because you may be attempting to protect that those um, you may be attempting to protect those uh, pristine things so that I can't get to them. Yeah. Um, or looking at the pristine thing to make sure you are less suspicious of it. That's a good point as well. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, that you could literally look at it. Um, yeah. So can you can you think of reasons why that's uh, not a good idea? Um, not particularly because you don't want them close together because if they find one, they'll just expand out and find the others really quickly. Uh, even right, if you put good them at the back. Yep. Um, so there's mm-hmm. that's a poor strategy. That I can't really think of a reason not to do that. Um, other than like we could even say it's where the forest group has left the remnants of their their thing. They've discarded their purity in favor of vengeance uh, for thematic. Uh-huh. So I like that. Um, no, I, I honestly can't really think thematically or uh, gameplay-wise why we wouldn't just have the Forest Spirit do that. That would give them a little bit more agency, too, of what's going on in the game mm-hmm. and where that is. There is a already a heavy memory thing for the uh, the Forest Spirit because you are placing traps and different round resources that are all face down. Um, but I don't really think there's a huge, huge issue. Well, and one of the ways that we tried to help both the forest spirit and the player have less of a memory aspect was the, you look at one in every column, right? Yeah. That way, all I kind of have to do is remember, like, I try and remember for the first couple, like, rows, like, first two to three rows, which one did you look at, and can I avoid that, right? Mm -hmm. But again, if you've previously put the thing there, and then you look at it, I'm like, ah, like, you know, I mean, um, there's, I think. I think that it's it's worthwhile, you know, um, thinking about that. Yeah. So that might be something we're trying. Okay. No, I, I think we should definitely try that next time. Should add that to the the notes we've got to check out. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So, what? Um, so that is that's possibly the solve for that. What would that do to the number of cards we needed, though? Um, um, it wouldn't change it. Because okay. the the resource cards would just get shuffled back into the deck before they get played out. Um, I mean, so the other thing thematically that that makes me think of. So this is, I think, what's always bothered me about the randomness of where those pristine items go. Mm-hmm. Is if they come out on turn one, it's random, right? If they come out yeah. on turn three, it's random. It should be two, but you know what I mean. Like if they come out either turn, it's random. But it always felt anti-thematic to me that I could explore an area and not find a pristine thing. And then it could magically be there later. Right. Yeah. Because like that doesn't, you know, um, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, like, Oh, well I found it. It was here all along. We didn't look under these, these, this bush here. Whoops. Um, you know, (laughs) well, that makes sense. That is, that is very fair. Uh, where it makes more sense, you might only find only grab so much wood or so much fiber or so much sap when you're going through and find more the next time because there's a heck of a lot right, there. Right, right. 
Yeah. Well, plus, it's regrowing, right? But it's regrowing yeah. under the design of the forest spirit, who definitely is not regrowing pristine things. That's true. That's true. No, I like that. I like that thematically. We'll have to do that next time. Uh, have the forest spirit place them out. I, I, I'm also a huge fan of the idea of the forest spirit having the ability to always place a nothing card mm-hmm. um, when looking. I mean, because that is basically a way for them to strip resources away. Um you know, if I don't place a trap, I place a nothing card. Like I, I really like that, um, because that is that is inhibiting you know the player from being able to, or prohibiting the player from being able to uh, create the tools that they need to to win. Right. Yeah. It also lets the player make sure the ensures the players get a ton of resources at the beginning to make tools. Right, right. So, you know, in the beginning, most everything's going to be that. But as you go along, and, you know, if you're replacing more and more each turn, and if I'm not finding those things, which deeper in the forest, I'm not. Yeah. Now you're really limiting the resources I'm going to find deeper in the forest, which yeah. thematically makes a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah. And I kind of like then, if we're making it easier to get resources at the beginning for the villagers, I like the idea of having the most useful items be the first to lose production. Because Agreed. then you're going to be hunting for all the resources to make those at the beginning to, and then be more likely to try to worried about losing those to add to that Agreed. tension and that, uh, that, that horror kind of vibe. And for that, we could basically just flip it, right? To say the order that we had the tools disappearing and just flip it. So it goes from best to worst. Yeah. Um, which is cool actually, because then it means in the beginning I can make these big fancy things. I can make a map. I can make a, looking glass i can make a 10 foot spear i can make all these things and then by the end i can make a torch yeah and some rope (laughs) you know um yeah i i actually think that thematically makes a lot of sense okay cool awesome all right look at us making decisions here i feel pretty good about these choices we're making me too any other Um, thoughts about the game that we want to throw out there um i'm i'm kind of wanting to get your feeling because the previous one, we really focused on how we want this game to feel and went back through that repeatedly. Um, and that was our guiding point for Minecart Madness, the, the runaway right, right. Minecart thing. And so this one, it's been that lost in the woods horror feeling something around every corner uh, that we're trying to really hone in on. So I was kind of curious how you're feeling if we're still trying to hold that in our mind as a guiding principle, or you feel like we're not considering that as much this time around since we went our inspiration was more so a mechanic as opposed to a theme so Mm -hmm. i I mean i think you know i think even just based on these comments we've just had a few minutes you know as we were talking through this i think it's still at least to me and i I think to you is it's well it's of the utmost importance that we keep to that theme yeah um think which which is why things are bothering me like pristine water wasn't here before why is it here now right yeah um or i can make fancy tools but we're degrading as Mm -hmm. as the forest is closing in you know or how quickly do i lose my villagers and what does that mean (laughs) um you know uh so i i think we're hitting those notes i mean i think we could always possibly do some more amplification of that How, how do you feel i feel like it's been a um a guiding principle i feel like we haven't come had to come back to it as much uh, as the last time, maybe because it is um, more ingrained to the, 
the system of it. That's a good. That's a good point. It's a heavier theme than, you know, I've got a minecart that just keeps increasing in speed. I need to get treasure and escape before it, it you know, yeah. falls off the rails. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I remember when we were doing the minecart madness, we did have a lot more discussions about how change mechanic fit that lost or runaway minecart, how that fit the the increase in pace and all that. Whereas we haven't seen mm-hmm. to ask that question as many times this time at designing. And I wasn't sure if that was just because the theme, like you said, the theme is a lot heavier, so it kind of lends itself to less uh, explosions and absurdity, uh, right, right, like right. the minecart madness did, or if because our original inspiration was the uh, the mechanic, like we want this use this mechanic, what game would that fit? So I was kind of curious how the the initial jumping off point affected that. Um, I, I felt like. You said we've we've stuck pretty well to focusing on that feeling and how it's gone um but but yeah i was just curious how you felt about it and yeah yeah and i i think what did help though was we had a mechanic first but you know like you and i do with most of the games we work on independently or together is we said what theme best fits that mechanic right what makes in in you know we fell on the creepy foggy woods where bad stuff is happening right um so, yeah, and I, that's certainly something I don't want to get away from because if we're not going to, like, really kind of bathe the game in that theme, mm-hmm. then then why have that theme, right? I mean, that's exactly. it's not a light theme, right? It's a yeah. heavier theme. And so, to me, it's even more important with heavier themes that you really theme justify everything yeah. um, because otherwise, you know, it's just uh, – because again, if you've got a quirky game about minecarts and something's a little off, you're like, well, it's a quirky game about minecarts. But if it's, you know, going to the woods trying to save yourself from a forest spirit, um, you know, in a kind of a light horror survival game like that, that needs to fit better. I think <laughs> you're a little yeah. more stuck with that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's been a little more ingrained into the suggestions and the paths we've taken uh, for the design. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, I feel like this was a, a nice, fun discussion here uh, about the game. And I, I mean, I feel like it was productive. I, I hope you feel the same way. Oh, definitely. Um, I hope the listeners enjoyed it. I'm sure they did because, you know, they are awesome and they love us. <laughs> I'm kidding. You don't. You probably hate us, though. But really, um, I, uh, I, I hope that this was a helpful discussion. If you have thoughts on the game, would love to hear them. Uh, easiest place to drop those would be Discord, but you can also tweet them at us or just email us. That'd be fine. Um, always love to hear thoughts. And uh, of course, Kelly, it was awesome to have you here. I love hanging out, whether it's officially or unofficially, depending on whether or not we're recording. <laughs> Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here, Jason. Enjoyed talking about the game and sorting through some things. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can reach out at buildingthegamepodcast.com. There you can find our Discord channel, which I highly recommend. You can also, of course, email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Call us at 770-TELL-BTG. But the best place to find us is always going to be Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.E. Sunderland. Kelly is at Kenny Ho, which is K-E-N-E-H-O. And we thank you again for joining us. And until next time, good night. Bye. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email.